I want to share with you this morning about the ministry of Jesus. This is the, I'm going to begin a new series, by the way, next week called Happiness Redefined. And we're going to go through the Beatitudes, which the word blessed actually means happy in the Greek. And so Jesus tells us how to be happy, and it's really the definition of happiness, but I'm calling it the redefinition because we need to be redefined because we've lived in the world for so long as to what happiness really is. So we'll begin a new series next weekend. And that was really the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever preached. And no one can argue with that because Jesus preached it, so you can't say there's a better one. Um, but this is his first sermon in his hometown. So his, he goes back to where he was brought up, and this is what he preaches. All right, Luke 4, beginning in verse 16. <laughs> so he came to Nazareth. Nazareth, where he'd been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He attended church regularly and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Uh, this is, now, this is what he said. This is what he read that day. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are pressed, or in the Greek it would be better translated bruised, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And that's all we're going to read, but he sits down after that, and then he makes this statement. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And the sermon went over really well because it says that they led him out of the synagogue to a high hill and tried to push him off of it. So it didn't go that, that well, his first sermon in his home church. And one of the reasons I think it didn't go well was he said to them, this is who I really am. I'm not a carpenter. I'm the Messiah. And this is what I do. Now, I want to remind you of something Jesus cannot change. The reason he can't change, and we call it immutability, the reason he's immutable is because he's perfect. And if you could change, then you could become better. But he can never become better because he's perfect. You understand? So he can never, ever change who he is. So the reason I said that is, if Jesus did these things, then he does them now. He can't change. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And here's what he did. He stood up and said, you think this is who I am, but this is who I really am. I believe it needs to be preached today. You think this is who Jesus is, but this is who Jesus is. Jesus came to preach the gospel to the poor. He came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to preach deliverance to the captives. He came to open blind eyes. This is who Jesus really is. Paul felt so strongly about it, but this is the way he said it. If anyone... Any of us, any of the apostles, or even an angel from heaven preach another gospel to you than what's been preached. Preach another Jesus, he said them both, another gospel or another Jesus to you, let him be accursed. Now, if you really want to go into the Greek word for a curse there, there's accursed and cursed. Let me tell you what accursed means. Here's what Paul said. If anyone preaches any other gospel to you, let him go to hell. That's how strongly he felt about it. And if anyone preaches another Jesus to you, let him go to hell. Now listen to me carefully. It's a whole bunch of churches today that are preaching another Jesus. A Jesus that doesn't have power anymore. He can save you and get you to heaven, but he can't help you on this earth. Jesus can't help you. Well, I'm telling you, he can help you. 
And we've got to preach the full gospel that he preached because it's the only thing that's going to help people. And in this passage are the five foundational ministries of Jesus. Now, let me show you these five foundational ministries. Number one is salvation. He said he came to preach the gospel to the poor. The gospel is the good news. The good news is that we're sinners and totally lost without Jesus and cannot make it on our own, but we can make it by grace through faith. That's the good news. You understand religion is, I mean, Christianity is different from every religion in the world in that it's the only religion you don't have to work to get to heaven. You should have said amen, unless you don't believe in grace. It's the only one that you get saved by grace, and you don't have to push a peanut across the floor with your nose or travel to another city to get to heaven. You can get saved right where you are. The primary focus of Jesus' life was getting people saved. He came to seek and to save those which were lost. We, as a spirit-filled church, can never lose the focus of evangelism. And many do. Many stop getting people saved. And we can never, ever stop getting people saved. Uh, I'm going to share with at a pastor's conference in about a month here. And uh, I'm going to talk about this a little bit. But one of the things that hit me when I was getting ready, thinking about pastors and thinking about churches, I'm going to share a theological, doctrinal truth with you right now. So get ready for it, all right? This is extremely doctrinal, what I'm about to say. The church is like a swimming pool. Here's what I mean by that. You have to have a shallow end and a deep end. And I want you to think about this. How many churches only have a shallow end? They get people saved and that's all they do. They never talk to about baptism in the Holy Spirit because that might be controversial. Well, Jesus preached it. They never talk about deliverance or inner healing. They never disciple. They never equip. It's just entertainment. They never take people any deeper, and it's shallow. We cannot have just a shallow end. But on the other hand, many churches just have a deep end. And an unchurched person goes there or a lost person goes there, and they immediately begin drowning because they, they, they can't even fathom what's going on. Okay. The church must have a shallow end for people to come in, wait around, get used to the water, but they also have to have a deep end. And let me tell you something about the deep end. You can never get to the bottom. That's how deep it is in in the kingdom of God. You can see new revelation in the Word every week. By the way, I was at Pastor Brady's last week at New Life Church. He's doing wonderful. He said, tell you all hi, so I'm going to tell you all at once. (laughs) So you don't have to, I won't have to tell you individually, but they're doing wonderful. And uh, because I was up there, I wasn't here last week, but I listened to the CD, and I thought Pastor Marcus preached a great message last week. Don't you? And it had truth in it. There are more with us than are against us. And there's a servant's reality and a prophet's reality, but the best is God's reality. So I, I love to come to the church and be fed the Word of God, and that's, that's what it's about, is feeding sheep. And you've got to have a shallow end, you've got to have a deep end. Second ministry of Jesus is healing. He said He came to open the blind eyes. It literally, physically touch people and physically heal people. And you need to know something about this, because there's, again, doctrines going around that Jesus doesn't heal anymore. But Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you need to understand, Jesus did not heal people to show off. That's a horrible doctrine. That's in essence what it says. He, he did it to show people he was the Messiah. He didn't, try, he didn't need to show someone he was the Messiah. He was the Messiah. He was just being the Messiah. That's what the Messiah does. 
And he healed people because he loved people and cared about people. And he still loves people and he still cares about people. Acts 10.38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Some sickness is a direct result of oppression of the enemy. Matter of fact, there was a woman who was bent over double for 18 years and Jesus said she had a spirit of infirmity. There are spirits of infirmity. And Jesus wants to heal people Today, the same that he did there. This is Jesus. Jesus is the one that said, this is who I am. This is who I am. The third ministry of Jesus listed here is inner healing. It says he came to heal the brokenhearted. I want you to raise your hand, whether you're at South Lake or NRH. Have you ever had your heart broken? Anybody? Sure. You need Jesus. You're a great candidate. Isn't that great? You wouldn't need him if you didn't have a broken heart. He came to heal the broken heart. Now, I want you to understand something about that. Your heart's on the inside. So this is not physical now. This is emotional. Jesus came to heal us emotionally. And if you don't get healed emotionally, it will affect how much you can do on this earth and how you relate to other people. We have to help people in their soul get ministered to. The worst word in the English language came from psychologists and psychiatrists, and it's cope. C-O-P-E. I can teach you how to cope with that. Jesus teaches no one how to cope with. He sets you free from it. Right? He will completely and totally set you free. I was praying with a guy one time. Inner healing is what we call it. And I'm praying with him. And sometimes when I'm praying with someone, the Lord will give me uh, a word of knowledge. It's like a memory that happened. I'm asking the Holy Spirit to call up memories in his life that the Holy Spirit wants to heal. And, and, and I ask him, and he'll say, I have a memory. We submit it to the Lord, put it under the blood, and there's a healing that takes place in the soul. And so, when I'm praying with people, sometimes the Lord will give me a memory through a word of knowledge that that person, it hurts so much, he's repressed it, he's not even remembering it. And so that's what I I got this picture in my mind. And so I learn when that happens, it's the Lord talking. So I said to him, uh, I have a, a picture in my mind of a little boy, and he's in a field, and he is running from a car, and there's a man driving the car who's laughing. Well, when I said that, now you have to know, this guy was big. He was a large, strong man. Tall, big, muscular. He, he had a beard. He looked like Grizzly Adams. Or just Grizzly. He, you know, one or the other. But that's the way. So, when I said that, he fell out of his chair on all fours and started wailing. I don't mean, <laughs> I mean, Woo! you know, like this, okay? Wailing. And I remember thinking to myself, I think God's doing something. <laughs> I'm pretty sharp, you know, like that. I pick up on things real quickly. And so we prayed inner healing of that memory. And then afterwards, he started sharing me. When he was a young boy, his father and his uncle were violent men, very violent and, and crude men, were not saved. And he had to open the gate for his uncle to bring the car into the pasture to do something. And he, the uncle had to turn his car a certain way. He was very afraid of his uncle because he was so violent. And his uncle had to turn the car a certain way to get in, and he thought he was coming after him, so he took off running. He was scared. And the uncle then thought it was funny and began chasing him, laughing through the field. And it traumatized him. He literally thought he's, he's, he's going to kill him. That's what he thought. And Because uh, he'd seen him drunk many, many times. And, uh, and then afterwards, the uncle and the father made fun of him because he cried. You know, like many men will do to boys, which is one of the worst things you can do to a boy. And uh, so he told me, he said, I, I have in me, he said, I, I know I'm not that strong, but this is the way I describe it. It's like the Incredible Hulk. 
He said, when I get angry, there is a rage that takes over and a physical strength. And he said, I've never lost a fight because this rage comes up in me. And he said, I beat some men to a pulp. I mean, beat them unconscious. And uh, he said, and by the way, he was 37 years old, never been married. And he said to me with tears in his eyes, this is why I never got married. Because I can't control this thing. And I said to him, well, you don't have to control it because it's out now. It's gone. And he got married within a year. And that's 20 years ago. And, and I know him to this day. And he's a wonderful, godly, gentle person. I'm telling you, every one of us have things like that from our past. And you don't have to cope with it if you're a believer. Jesus can heal it. Here's the fourth ministry of Jesus listed here is deliverance. I just need to let you know that there are still demons today. If you don't know that. And they're not all in Africa. Or some third world country. They're here too. They're just very sophisticated here. There are spirits of unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment and anger and hate and retaliation and murder and envy and jealousy and pride and lying and lust. There are spirits that you want to do, you want to do what's right and something controls you. I know what it's like. I know. I know what it's like to be a believer, to love God and still be controlled by spirits. And I also know what it's like to be set free. We have to help people understand deliverance. Uh, I was talking a while back to another pastor, and he was talking about discipleship. How do we disciple people? How do we disciple people? And I was explaining to him about our, our kairos, our, our freedom ministry, all that. And I said, you have to do that before you can disciple people. And he said, why do you have to do it before you can disciple people? And I just said, well, because you can't disciple a demon. You can't disciple a demon, and you can't cast out the flesh. So it's both. You understand? You've you got to help people get free. And, and so before you go through discipleship and equipping and all that, you've got to get free. And, and I'm telling you, if you've got something that you said, I'll never do it again, I'll never do it again, I'll never do it again, and it just seems like you're controlled by something, there are demonic spirits. You're not a bad person because the devil talks to you. He talked to, he talked to Jesus. Is that true? And Jesus was not a bad person. So please understand that one of the ministries of Jesus is to preach deliverance to the captives. And here's the fifth ministry of Jesus, spirit baptism, or baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, if you back up just a very clear, just a few verses, Luke chapter 3, verse 21 says, When all the people were baptized, that's water baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized in water. All right? That's what it means here. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. Hey, how would you like to have an experience like that? (laughs) How would you like to be filled with the Holy Spirit and have the Father say, I am well pleased with you? Well, it's the experience Jesus had. It's available for every person. Uh, Over and over again, the Bible tells us, Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, the last words of Jesus were not go. Now, I'm tired of people saying that. People who say that don't know Bible chronology. He did say that after the resurrection in Matthew 28. Those weren't his last words. His last words were in Luke 24 and Acts 1. It said right before he ascended, he said to them, stay. Stay in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. If you go without having stayed, nothing's going to happen. This is great preaching. Isn't this good preaching? 
if you, if you go without the power of the Holy Spirit, you can forget it. Jesus Himself did not begin His ministry until He was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I said this a few, moments, a few weeks ago talking about prayer. I said if Jesus needed to pray when He was on this earth, how much more do you? If Jesus needed the Holy Spirit when He was on this earth, how much more do you need the Holy Spirit? So these are the five foundational ministries of Jesus listed in Luke 4. Now, flip over to Ezekiel 34, and, and let me show you something in Ezekiel 34. I'm going to show you the exact five ministries in Ezekiel 34. Uh, that's uh, page 597 <laughs> in the right Bible. Never mind. Um, I'm going to shock you just for a minute, All right, just for fun, okay? Don't, so don't hold me to this. I'm just doing it to shock you, okay? This, this pastor said to me, and this is a kind of a, 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 a real popular doctrine in many places. They don't think it's a doctrine, but it's become a doctrine. This pastor said to me, I don't read it, I don't believe it in the New Testament unless, no. He said, I don't believe it in the Old Testament unless I can see it in the New. I don't believe it. If I read it in the Old Testament, I don't believe it unless I see it in the New. Well, just to shock him, I don't really believe this, but just to shock him, I said, well, I don't believe it in the New unless I see it in the Old. Now, I, I don't really believe that. I believe, obviously, the whole thing's the Bible. But the point is, then I went on to say to him, anything you can show me in the new, I can show you in the old. I'm telling you, I've had a lot of people challenge me. Anything you can show me in the new, I can show you in the old. Do you, you understand, even the miracles of Jesus, many of them were done in the Old Testament. Elisha multiplied loaves of bread, you know. This guy said to me, well, the marriage supper of the Lamb. I said, it's in Ezekiel. I took him right to it, showed it to him. He said, the mark of the beef. I said, it's in Ezekiel also, 14. I'll show it to you. Mark of God's there too, which by the way, the mark of God is in Revelation, and we always talk about the mark of the beast, but I just want you to know uh, the mark of God more important. <laughs> That's the one you need. And if you got it, you don't have to worry about the other one. You don't have to have any fear about end times if you're a believer. So anyway, I, I just showing him. So my point is don't dislike the Old Testament. It's great. And everything in the New is in the Old as well. And I'm going to show you. Here's the five foundational ministries in the Old Testament. It's in Ezekiel 34. He's talking about shepherds. And remember, Jesus is the chief shepherd. All right? So, uh, Ezekiel 34, verse 1. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. This was not a good day for preachers. <clears throat> prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God to the shepherds, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with wool, you slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. Now, here are the five basic ministries. The weak you have not strengthened. That's baptism in the Holy Spirit because baptism in the Holy Spirit is power. It's strength. Jesus said you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be strengthened. So the weak you've not strengthened, nor have you healed those who are sick. There's physical healing. Nor bound up the broken... That's inner healing. That's emotional healing. The broken. Jesus said He came to heal the brokenhearted. Nor brought back what was driven away. That's deliverance. Because in the Old Testament, where were they driven away to? They were driven away to the land of the enemy. They became captives. They, they went into bondage. And He said, you haven't brought them back from where they were driven away to. And then the last one, nor sought that which was lost, their salvation. There's the five basic or foundational ministry of Jesus in the Old Testament. Now, uh, we have a slogan around here. It's not a vision statement. It's a slogan. The slogan is we're all about people. It captures my 
heart because I believe it's what God put on my heart when we began the church. I felt like uh, I, I'd been involved in business. <clears throat> I, my father owned a company. I'd seen a lot, I'd ministered with a lot of business people. And I felt like that the church had um, gotten so heavily minded they weren't any earthly good. In essence, there was no focus on helping people or, or, or touching people, helping people get free. <clears throat> so that little phrase God gave me. But then I was trying to come up with a vision statement like the other churches, you know. I didn't want to be different, you know. And so making disciples who make disciples, that's a great one. Knowing him and making him known, that's a great one. But I could, I, it's almost eight years now. I can't, I'm sorry. I can't come up with a cute one. But let me tell you, if you want to know my vision, it's not cute, but let me tell it to you, all right? Here's my vision. To get people saved, healed, delivered, discipled, equipped, and ministering. To get people saved, healed, delivered, you've got to get them healed and delivered before you get them discipled. And you've got to get them discipled before you can get them equipped. And you've got to get them equipped before you get them ministry. I want every person to get saved, but I don't want to leave them there. I want them healed, delivered, discipled, equipped, and ministry. In other words, I want them helping other people get saved, healed, delivered, discipled, and equipped. You see? Now, let me tell you why this is just so personal to me. I told you that my father is the first believer in our family. First believer, heard the gospel when he was 16 for the first time in his life through a screen door sitting on a porch and got saved, sitting on those steps. Uh, I, later then, I led my grandfather uh, to the Lord and my grandmother got saved. My father has two brothers. One of them just got out of prison. He's 70 years old. Just got out of prison. The other one went to Vietnam, was a war hero, received... The uh, Medal of Honor and Purple Heart and all these things, wonderful war hero. Before he went to Vietnam, though, he'd been married and divorced four times in a short period, in his 20s. Married and divorced four times. He came back from Vietnam very messed up. Uh, He was demonized. And he had horrible, horrible memories. He would wake up in the middle of the night screaming because of his memories. He said, the only thing to do, I know, is to go to church. He goes to church and gets saved. He remarries his first wife. God totally transforms his life because he's met Jesus now. But the church he went to only preached that Jesus could save you. He couldn't help you. He went to the church said, you know, I wake up screaming in the middle of the night. They said, we can't help you. The world might be able to help you, but we can't help you. Isn't that a horrible thing? That the church sends people to the world to get help. He had these demonic spirits. He would fly into a rage. He would put his fist through the door. He would, uh, when someone snuck up on him, he would hit him. If he didn't, he just involuntary reaction. But he had these spirits. Here's here's what bothers me. They never told him about inner healing. Never told him about deliverance. Never told him about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. He came home one night from work. Kissed his wife and kids, went up to his room, pulled his gun out, and shot himself in the head. My preached his funeral. Went to heaven. Did you go to heaven because of grace? I know some people say suicide's unforgivable sin. There's no unforgivable sin, <laughs> except not accepting Jesus. That's the unpardonable sin. Love God, but no one told him that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we've got to do that. We've got to help people. 